0: Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you create unpredictable workshop experiences that predictably work. If you're listening in and you have not yet listened to last week's episode 136 with Mark Bowden, and you're someone that does facilitate virtual sessions, whether that's meetings, presentations, keynotes, whatever it is that you facilitate online, that episode is a real masterclass. I would definitely suggest checking it out that interview it was a group interview so I handed over the microphone to members of the Virtually Possible program and it was so cool to hear their questions and definitely suggest checking out the YouTube videos you can see how Mark actually engages on video and how compelling he really is and if you are curious about Virtually Possible and you'd like to join VP 2.0 you can get on the wait list right now head on over to join.virtuallypossible.co that's join virtually possible, and we will see you on the waitlist. In fact, there's been a ton of great interviews. We had Ken Bergen talking about webinars, Wade Brill talking about virtual centering and how to get people more focused and listening better on calls. Sarah Cordinar was sharing tips on how to market online courses, particularly if you don't have an audience. How do you start? And Kiel Lutz sharing his tips for panel interviews and panel sessions online. So I think it is time for a solo episode and it's always fun deciding what to record solo episodes on. And as you can hear a lot of the, the previous interviews and guests have really all talked about virtual sessions. I'll kind of spin a bit on that, but also talk about facilitation in general. Uh, and this one, I guess the inspiration for this episode is really about learning what we can observe about facilitation just from day-to-day life. And if you've listened to my interview with Jacinta Cubis Jacinta facilitates workshops. She does a lot of street photography and she talks about how she uses street photography to help facilitators become better observers. And ever since that interview, I've been starting to observe what is going on around me and what can we learn about facilitation just from looking around and observing. So a question for you as you listen to this week's episode is to also take that and start observing what's going on in your life and reflect on any facilitation lessons that you might pick out of this. And as you'll hear, my example is very simple. Before we start, remember, as always, you can join the conversation when the podcast is over by joining our community of over 980 facilitators on our free Facebook group called The Flipchart. Now, question for you while I'm here, I'll also put this in the next Flipchart newsletter, but... I'm interested. What do you think of Facebook groups? Have you wanted to join a community like the Flipchart, but because it's on Facebook, you feel reluctant? I'm curious about this. And I I could easily survey the people on the Flipchart, which I will do, but there's a little bit of bias there because they're on Facebook. So I want to hear from those of you that aren't on Facebook, but would love to communicate with other facilitators in a free community. Best way to do that, just shoot me an email, hello at leannehughes.com. Uh, or maybe even a direct message on Instagram. I'm on there at Leanne Hughes. And just let me know your thoughts on that. Would you actually engage with a community if it was hosted somewhere else? All right, now onto the show. I set myself a challenge this year. If you've listened to the show, I mentioned it a couple of times through the year, but I'm aiming to run 2020 kilometers. Now I'm currently at... 1,311. When I started, the average pace, well, the average daily rate I had to run was around 5.6 Ks a day because I've actually traveled and sometimes it's not felt in the mood. And because you need to recover, my my average now has gone up to about 6 Ks a day. Now, as a result, I'm feeling the pressure every day. Like I wake up and it's like, oh, I have to go for another run. And I'm kind of, unfortunately, getting a little bit bored of running, which Probably sounds obvious to anyone listening, but I didn't think that would happen because I've been running for years and, and really enjoy it. But I think I've got this obligation now around it, which makes it tough. It's probably the same thing when you turn a hobby into a job, right? I mean, everyone says follow your passion, but if you're something really interested in something, and then you put this external pressure on, it can sometimes diminish from the enjoyment that you have. Anyway, I'll get it back on track. I've got some strategies on on ways of doing that. One way of doing that is by actually balancing out what I do for exercise and I have have gym membership. It keeps ticking over. Every month I see money coming out of my account and I think, "Oh, I really should head to the gym. My weekdays have been pretty action-packed and so it was Saturday, yesterday that I decided I will I'll go to the gym today. Um looked at the timetable now because of COVID and everything else, it's a very limited timetable. So the only class available at the right time is something called Body Attack, which is a Les Mills program. Uh, It's kind of like aerobics, really high intensity, cardio. It's full on. It's a full on workout for an hour. And uh, I was like, that's the only option. So I was psyching myself out of going. Um, I actually... Also, Saturday morning, I joined a 6 a.m. webinar with Pat Flynn's community about online courses, and I thought, oh gosh, by the time that's finished and the time it takes to drive there, eh, I don't have to go. So even getting to the class was a big deal, and I also had some weird self-talk going on. I don't know if it was just me, but I was like, oh, well, this class is so hard, maybe I should do another class just to ease into it. But then I also remember I'm that annoying person whenever someone says to me, I'd love to learn this skill, but you know, I'm kind of too old. I always just turn and say to them, well, right now is the youngest you'll ever be. So you might as well just start now. So I gave myself that advice and was like, look, if you're going to jump back into exercise, just get stuck into this tough class. Like I said, I had a a 6am webinar, I had to log off at 7, which is unfortunate because it hadn't I officially finished. I just, you know, like I don't know about all of you who have to log off early. I just wrote a nice little story about why I had to leave, popped it in chat, gave gave everyone a big wave, and then logged off. It's still it feels weird, right, just leaving like that. But I think that's the etiquette now. Um, then I quickly changed into my gym gear to get there. I arrived at about seven seventeen a.m. The class starts at seven twenty a.m. I forgot that you had to book into these group classes uh, because I hadn't been to one since COVID hit. So, like I said, six months of not attending these high intensity classes didn't realize you had to book in a few spots were available though so I got in actually I gotta say the coolest thing about COVID and gyms and group exercise classes is that they put these stickers on the floor which are like socially distant so that's like your marker your spot I love that like I used to hate when people would creep into my personal space Ugh. but no that's just on a personal note anyway so I arrive I haven't given myself enough time I'm I'm not late but usually I like getting in early what what happened was though I walked in and the only spot available was right up the front of the class so first of all let's stop this story for a second and talk about timing and arrivals just from a participant perspective like I said with the gym I like to get in a little bit early get my spot get settled in much like I would with any sort of face-to-face workshop like when you get in early you get your preference of of your seat. And I think it's a little bit different virtually. I don't know about you. So, and depending on the call as well. Oh, not really. No, it doesn't actually depend on the call. It depends on my role. So as a participant, if there's a call starting at 10am, I'm usually ready to jump into the call at 9.50. Like I've got my water, my space, everything's good to go. But I will usually wait till 9.59 or even 10 on the dot to then click that Zoom link to get in. And I was wondering, what's the difference? Like, why do I do that? I think it's because you don't know who's going to be in there at the same time, and I know it's different on on in face to face workshops. When you're in early, people can come in early as well. I don't know. It just is like I'm. I'm not too sure if the facilitator's up for small talk or if we're just going to log in and have our cameras on and just have this awkward wait time. Curious to hear what your strategy is. Are you arriving early or what are you doing as a facilitator? I'm always early. I'm always early to a call, like five minutes early. And I actually love it. This is weird, weird expectations, double standards here. I love it when people log in earlier because I actually like to welcome them in, have a chat to them, um, get them to share what's going on. And people are sort of comfortable doing that beforehand. So it's weird that on the flip side, as a participant, I just like arriving on the dot. What are your thoughts on that? So back to my group fitness story. I haven't done this for six months. I am now up the front of of the class and I don't know if you've done group fitness before. How it usually works is you've got the fitness instructor right up the front on stage and in terms of the hierarchy, you get like the fittest and the keenest people that have done this workout like for years up the front. So basically then if you're sort of at the middle or back, you're following, if you can't see the instructor that well, you're just following what the person in front of you is doing and I'm like, crap, I haven't done this in months. I'm unfit, I'm not confident, I'm running late, I feel frazzled and now I'm thrust into the spotlight. Like I would have rather just snuck into the back. But see, today I was up front, centre stage and I had to put my game face on. So again, to pause this, it reminded me of virtual calls. I feel like, and just to draw the metaphor, just what I'm observing is I feel like people at the back of the room, they they want to be there obviously, They've, they've come to the class they're there to participate, but they don't necessarily want to be center stage, right? So they're there to learn from the instructor. They're there to participate, but they don't want to be thrust into the spotlight. Now, this can be really tricky because in the virtual calls, when you're in a main room, let's just say you've got 10 people in one Zoom room. And when I talk about Zoom, I mean other platforms, too, teams, everything else. Seems just easier to say. <laughs> uh, the second you unmute yourself in one of those main rooms, it feels like you're suddenly thrust into the spotlight. Like I felt up the front, I then had to lead the energy and be that role model and be perfect. So that put a bit of pressure on myself. Not not bad pressure because that's good pressure. That's good group pressure, right? It's peer pressure to perform. That's that's awesome, and that's why we go to great fitness classes. It's because we can achieve more in a group than we could individually. There's no way I could run that workout on my own at home. But what's um, fascinating about that, listen listen to me and the amount of talk I'm telling myself. Whereas I've been at the back of the room and I don't really care. I'm not really, I'm not actually watching anyone. Like I'm seeing what they're doing, but I don't really care. Yet Leanne in her own head is thinking all of these people behind me are watching me and I've got to perform. Which is very different to asking anyone else in that room if they even remember what I wore that day. No one would know. So, so this is the thing: we feel like we're being thrust into the spotlight, but everyone else is so absorbed about that as well. So, I guess the refreshing thing here is that no one really cares. We're all so worried about ourselves. Uh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, um, but maybe it's just human nature. There's a really great quote. I was, um, I'll sh- I shared this with the shop community. Uh, the other day because we're talking about creating videos for platforms like LinkedIn and the quote is this you wouldn't worry what people think of you if you knew how seldom they do you wouldn't worry what people think of you if you knew how seldom they do I think that's really encouraging particularly for Zoom calls when we think that we have to unmute and say something perfect in the moment it's like well everyone's so focused on themselves anyway and gosh as a facilitator we just want people to speak up right We're we're running these meetings, we're asking questions, and there's like five or six seconds of silence that feels like a minute if you're the facilitator. Petra Kolber said it uh, perfect, and actually she is really into the group fitness industry. Her book is called The Perfection Detox, and a really amazing quote from that is, the world needs your imperfect voice, not your perfect silence. Okay, so class starts, and I'm up front. And I was telling myself, because it was my first time back in a while, okay, just Leanne, take it easy. But the fact that I was up front, the music was on, the environment was great, the people were around, the, the instructor was awesome. I did everything much harder than I would, I guess, if I'd been at the back of the room. I jumped harder, ran faster, pumped my arms, all of that. And that's the value of being in a group environment. In one track of about four minutes, we did 50 tuck jumps. Would I have done that alone at home? No. I think that's another reason these... Group sessions are important to really amplify and lift what you couldn't do if you were on your own. And I think that's a really important factor that we need to consider when we design these virtual events. A question like Is everyone better off? Is everyone improving their own individual performance as a result of bringing everyone together today? Is everyone better off improving their own individual performance? As a result of bringing everyone together, and how can you design for that? That goes back to a question I've brought up many times on the podcast: is the question Why are you bringing people in live? What is the purpose of bringing everyone together? And usually, my default response is, "Oh, because you want their responses and their engagement." Absolutely, but are you bringing everyone live together because you want that higher performance? What are they doing in that group environment that they could not do on their own? What is the analogy of getting them to do 50 tuck jumps on a virtual call that they couldn't have done if they were sitting in front of that computer on their own have a think about that i haven't got the answers but it's a question i'm going to continue to ask when i run live sessions what's the purpose behind this what's the achievement is it if it's networking and connection that that's that's fine as well but what is the purpose of bringing in that live time to to increase what they couldn't have got on on their own by the way, like I said, I was rushed and halfway into the workout, I realized my top was on back to front. <laughs> so it was just a funny day. So that was a participant perspective of my experience. I got in late, I was right up front. It wasn't even that bad. I survived. I'm not feeling that sore today. I got an awesome workout. I'm keen to get back. Uh, so, yeah, if you've been shy on these calls, thrust yourself into the spotlight. See what you can do to get yourself um, maybe participating more vocally getting your camera on and um, putting yourself up front. Now let's look at the facilitator who in this case is, was the aerobics instructor. Her name is Victoria. She is amazing. She's my favorite instructor. Why is that? She is enthusiastic. She leads with the energy that Mark Bowden spoke about last week. He said, we've got to stop reading the room. We've got to start leading with the energy because that is the best indicator of what our participants will feel. We have to set that standard as a facilitator. She's also great because she's aspirational. You look at her and think, yeah, that's, that's what a result of what this group training does. Not that that's so relevant in the world of facilitation, but um, it helps in group fitness. <laughs> I'm not saying that all facilitators need to be like group fitness instructors, by the way, but let's just riff on this for a little bit. I really want to talk more about the leading with energy part and setting that tone. The last thing you'd want if you went to a group fitness program is walking in there and someone with low energy that doesn't encourage you. So the fact that she sets the standard, she's clapping, everyone else claps, right? We're mirroring what she's doing and her job is to try and get us to amplify and just push ourselves harder than we could before. What Victoria does really well, it doesn't matter what time of the day it is, weekend, early mornings, she is bright. She is bubbly, knowing full well that all of us that arrive, like we've just woken up, people have like sleep in their eyes. They haven't had a coffee. We're all sort of like just trotting in. And she gets us into this state where we feel energized and incredible. Like I said, leading with energy. It's so, so important. She also, what she does is her instructions are very clear, which is important. Uh, I think Michael Munger Stanyard said this in the interview um, that I did with him. That it is all about giving one instruction at a time, being very explicit. And this is really important in virtual sessions. And I've fallen into the trap of probably stacking too many instructions on together. And that's when you create that confusion. As Donald Miller from StoryBrand says, if you confuse, you'll lose. So think about how group fitness instructions do it. They show you one move at a time. You master that They add the next move, you master that. Then it's a sequence of moves. Then you speed it up. Then you add different levels. And I love this metaphor of levels as well. So she said, to accommodate everyone and to be inclusive, she said, like, stage one, you can just walk. Stage two, you can march. Stage three, you can jump. So for every task, people can select what level they want to participate in, and it's okay. And you actually feel that it is safe enough. Of course, Because I was up the front, (laughs) I was just going for stage three when, yeah, probably should have eased in. But look, I I handled it. um, I was looking at my heart rate the whole time on my Apple Watch. And when it got too high, I would kind of just tone it down a bit. So that was good, giving us options. She also told us beforehand what to be prepared for. So leading into a new track, she'd say, right, this is a track. It's going to be high, high cardio or strength or whatever it is. Um, and then after that, we're going to give you a bit of a rest. So work really hard. So it gave us an expectation of what to expect. You remember David Rock's SCARF um, scarf model? I, sp- I speak about it a lot. I haven't mentioned it recently. SCARF stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. I did a whole podcast episode about it, which I'll link to in the show notes. But this one really links to C, certainty, just giving us a taste. So it's like, okay, if I know that in four minutes I can get a bit of a break, I will really push myself for this track. Other things Victoria did really well in this program yesterday is that she got to track four and her music died. Like the the track just went really slow. It was about mm, a minute into that track. And so she's like, oh, look, I'm going to have to start another track, but don't worry. And the show went on. The show went on. So she had the backup plans like we should for our tech if things fail, Um, like Yuri and I had that time, we were doing a YouTube live stream, the tech linking to YouTube failed. We had a Zoom B backup option. So the tech was handy. She also adds fun energy into the moves. So just to make it a little bit different and more enjoyable for everyone. One more thing that I love is in this workout, there's towards the end of it, there are some moves where you've actually got to, you turn around. So you're facing different sides of the room which means that different people are in the spotlight. So everyone gets a turn. I like that. And it's done, you've created a safe environment and then yeah, you can spin around and I was at the back finally. That's it. That's just a personal reflection. It's very simple, but one, one hour group fitness class and all of those linkages and lessons between that And what I feel is going on in virtual facilitation world. So like I said, at the beginning of this episode, what I'd love to encourage you to do is to think this week, observe, sit back, participate, and try to figure out what is the linkage between what's happening here and what are some lessons I can learn from this that I can take back into my facilitation game. I think there's so many opportunities. And I've um, even started threads on Facebook about a time I got a massage and what I learned about facilitation from that. And I had members of the Flipchart community all like, gosh, I think the thread went for about 30 comments. And I'm going to repurpose that into a podcast or an article because it was amazing. What we can learn about facilitation just from having a massage. Again, quickly, it's a one, one hour event, right? But so many lessons in that Thank you so, so much for listening to this solo episode. I hope you found it helpful. I hope it inspires you to look around your world. And if you are curious about getting onto the Virtually Possible waitlist for VP 2.0, head on over to join.virtuallypossible.co. Link to that is in the show notes. And actually, I didn't never mention where they were. Show notes are always at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash episode one three seven so episode and then the number episode you can that's the easiest way to find them and if you would like to be part of a flip chart community that isn't on Facebook please let me know send me an email hello at leannehughes.com okay that's me signing off from Brisbane Australia I hope you're doing well wherever you are in the world. have a good one